What's up, people? It's me, Morgan, and back again is Derek McDuff. Yes, uh, Derek is once again joining me. Um, Braulio is asleep because we are recording this at 1.17 a.m. my time. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> next time, Braulio will, will be in here. Guaranteed next time the three of us will be here. Braulio is a very big MCU guy, so I was hoping that he would be able to make this one. Uh, because Derek, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> well, this week we are talking about a little film you might have heard of called Black Widow. Mm, yeah, yeah, indie film, right? I think. Yeah, you know, it's from this little indie company called Marvel. They're they're owned by some other indie company called Disney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very intrigued to hear your thoughts on this film. I I have thoughts, um, but I, I want I would like to hear yours first. <laughs> What's your initial okay. impression? <laughs> Well, my initial impression is, and it's like, I don't know how much of this is colored by the, the fact, excuse me, that it's, um, it was just a, it was the first, well, like technically the second film, but one, the first big budget film that I saw back in the theater. So I was like, man, seeing like a Marvel movie back up on the big screen might have colored my impression a little, but I really enjoyed this. Like, I thought this was a very solid film. Um, I was not expecting a whole lot. I was expecting it to be kind of decent. Um, and it was just kind of, and but it did surpass my expectations. I was like, okay, this is like a really solid, good MCU kind of spy thriller. Um, so it, I felt like it did a lot of interesting things with the kind of like, you know, it's kind of like one of those female Jason Bourne movies. Like you see every couple of years come out like atomic blonde or salt or something like that. I think it was one of the, you know, upper in the upper echelon of that kind of sub genre of kind of spy thrillers. Um, I thought it touched on some interesting things. Um, in the end, just kind of like in like the world, like it's like, OK, it's all about like kind of female choice and like human trafficking. And, you know, you have the things where it's like, OK, you know, you have Scarlet Witch just kind of being like, oh, I'm a monster because I can't have children in your other one. And this one's like they're kind of just like, yeah, we don't have ovaries anymore. That's how it goes. David Harbour, they chopped them up. That's like they're just kind of like, you know, it's all, it feels a lot more just kind of like they're owning like the just kind of like, you know, the. I don't know, not uh, I guess there there's kind of like the gender aspects of it. Um, it and it felt yeah, just like it was also just a really good action movie that felt like it made sense where it was being told. It's like, OK, there is this threat here and it makes sense that it happened right between Civil War and in Infinity War. Um, so the timing felt right in that aspect. I kind of wish that it this movie had come out like between before Endgame because it felt just that was my, like the movie itself, like was really good but i felt like i could have used this movie like three or four years earlier like it would have been perfect if it had come out just that much earlier okay yeah yeah you so you're you're hitting a lot of the points that i i felt about this movie right on the head like my favorite mcu film after thor the uh thor ragnarok because i i love wacky 80s comedy action um mm -hmm. is captain america the winter soldier because I love spy thrillers. So this definitely hit like a lot of the beats that I like in movies. And like, as a, I'm sure I probably felt the same way you felt because as a person who's kind of, I've been burnt out a little bit with MCU, especially after Endgame, with mm -hmm. how like the more, the more I watched that movie, the more it fell apart and the more the kind of the MCU started to fall, like the plot holes started to show themselves. And I needed something like this to kind of be like, OK, yeah, this is why I enjoyed this in 2008. This is why I really liked this back in the day was for things like this, where it didn't 
like it, there were the shades of like corporate MCU movie there, but it felt different enough that I could be like, okay, yeah, this this feels like like a early days MCU movie. I also felt like it could have it could have used maybe coming out a year or two before because the the fact of I mean everybody everybody's seen Endgame at this point. If you're watching Black Widow, you've probably seen Endgame. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's gone at this point kind of it kind of it dulled it a little bit for me because I was like, well, I know where your story ends while watching the movie. I was like, ah, well, yeah. there's not really any stakes here. I know you live to to get to Endgame, so it's like you know it kind of it dulled that a little bit for me. But in certain aspects, because, you know, you get to certain scenes where you're like, oh, oh, wait, no, you live. You live for two more years. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, other than that, I really I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the film very much. What out of 10? Because we, we can get to like a non spoiler review very quickly and then get into the spoilers, because that's what people really want to hear. So out of 10, what would you give this movie? <laughs> Uh, I would give this movie probably an eight out of ten. I think, like, yeah, I think it's a very solid. Um, you know, definitely above average film for sure. Okay, I'm I'm gonna hover around that. I'm gonna go uh, eight point one Natasha Romanoffs out of ten. Um, okay. <laughs> it it definitely was. Uh, I've I've told people a lot. I was like, I'm excited for Shang Chi more than I'm excited for any movie that marvel will put out in the last five years and this has wormed its way into my top at least top 10 of marvel films mm-hmm. for like first initial viewing i i had the same hopes for captain marvel as i had for this and captain marvel leaned a lot more into the comedy side and a lot of the, a lot of the jokes just kind of didn't hit because i was hoping that it was going to be you know, i was hoping it was going to be much more like action spy thriller ish because it was like oh it's dealing with shield and you know she's got powers and all this stuff and it didn't really but this kind of really lent right into that genre that i really liked um so derek where do you want to start do you want to start with things that we liked in depth or do you want to start with things maybe problems that we had or, or improvements that we thought the movie could make um I guess we can start with stuff that we liked. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you in particular you wanted to hit on? Uh, I liked. Okay, this is going to sound corny, and this is going to sound very funny with the fact that Fast and Furious Nine came out recently. I loved the bit about family. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I I gotta agree. It really did feel like that kind of like found family element. You know, it's like okay, like we're not really family, and then just kind of like the all the stuff like. You know, Florence Pugh is like it was real. Like I was like a kid, you know, and like I know this was a job for you guys, but you guys like are like my mother and father and sister, and just kind of that emotion and uh, it, that really did work for me. And how Scarlett Johansson's like, yeah, you know, I've got my you know family, my Avengers family, but before that, like I had you guys, and I like the kind of um uh, the Americans esque aspects they lean into with the family stuff. Especially in that first scene, it did feel like something straight out of the Americans. It was like, oh, this is like the Americans if it was in the MCU. Um, so that which is one of my favorite shows ever. Um, so I did like a lot of those kind of just, you know, those like that family dynamics that they put into it. I actually saw it with somebody who, you know, she has like a kind of a similar relationship to um, with her dad that, you know, Scarlet Witch had with the. Uh, this guy so it was kind of you know she was getting really emotional and so you know it was kind of interesting to kind of you know be there alongside her watching this movie and see her reaction but yeah i, I really dug it i really dug that whole aspect oh yeah like i'm i'm a very big uh i'm a very big bat family 
a fan as well for the same reason of like found family is one of my favorite tropes in media like besides um not enemies to lovers enemies to lovers is is uncomfortable to me i don't i don't like that idea because they tried to stab each other but (laughs) besides like friends to lovers and then uh i don't know and lovers to enemies that's a great one found family is right there at the top three of my favorite media tropes because it's it's something that it's so useful in like telling a story and getting a narrative across because we all can relate to it even if you're telling the most outlandish story possible like gardens of the galaxy completely outlandish story makes if you think about it with no context it makes no sense barely but when you bring yeah but when you bring in like found family you're like oh yeah these are a ragtag group of people it's a heist film and it's also like a family building film then it starts to make sense that's why fast and furious has lasted this many movies is because the found family trope is so good <laughs> yeah no no you're you're definitely right about that you know um what what was something that uh in particular if you if you had one that you really liked about the movie that you wanted to hit on i mean yeah just i think you know kind of what i was saying at the top about it just being kind of like an interesting spy thriller i think one thing that i really liked about it is you know while black widow's arc was kind was pretty much complete you know so we kind of jump into the middle of her arc one thing was just kind of all this stuff about the red in her ledger and just like her you know dealing with you know budapest and like all the things she'd done in her past that she was ashamed of and that never really got resolved like she just kind of like you know died um and you know was kind of redeemed by like saving the world but never had to directly address like the sins of her past and i thought that and we're going full spoilers here right yeah yeah we might as well we, okay. we, everybody's had their non-spoiler bit <laughs> okay so that it was the um the way they deal with her and taskmaster how taskmaster was you know like a child she thought she murdered and just that child since in the remaining time has basically just been like a slave like where they have no control of or any of their body and are just kind of made to be this you know fighting machine that just kind of like kills and has no emotions and no feelings and you just see like she's like oh my gosh like she 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 has to kind of deal with that pain that she has caused to this other person and just her that final scene where they have the fight and she kind of like finally frees her and it has that redemption she's like okay i i caused this person pain but at least i was able to set them set them free and then set all these other girls free so i thought that was a really powerful aspect of the film for sure Oh yeah, it, like that that entire like you said at the the top of the show the the entire kind of aspect of um dealing with kind of autonomy, right? Cuz there, there was a major like theme of like female autonomy and and how it's kind of taken away uh in the current world and everything and trying to, you know, essentially reestablish that or establish it in the first can't reestablish something that wasn't there uh <laughs> but trying to establish that and kind of give freedom to to people who you know who deserve it and would and deserve to have a life and and be able to make their own choices was really it was really it's very profound um and like i i hate i hate to transition to things i didn't like off of that but this one like the entire taskmaster kind of thing for me while that like what you said where it was like her freeing her was it was a very impactful moment i felt i felt kind of bad because i was like there's so much more 
that I wanted to see from that character. There's there's so many more things I wanted to see that character kind of be in the movie because because they only show up in, in a couple of scenes. And I was like, but that's such a cool character. That's such a cool thing. I would love to see kind of more fight scenes or more, you know, just something to flesh out that story a little bit um, rather than kind of being, you know, like a tool to push the story along, you know, to the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, if there's anything that I didn't like about the film, it was that it just kind of it didn't feel like it really broke any new ground. It was just kind of like, OK, this is a lot of stuff that we've seen in the MCU before. Um, You know, it's it didn't really feel like it was moving anything forward. And I understand why, because, you know, it is a midquel set between, you know, two movies that we've saw already saw years and years ago. Um, But it was just like, OK, like you said, like. We know what's going to happen with this character. We, you know, not that we think that Iron. We are. I mean, in fairness, we know Iron Man isn't going to die in Iron Man three because we know he has to be in, um, you know, Avengers: Age of Ultron. But still, yeah. with this, we've actually seen the character alive in the next movie, so it did kind of take that tension out of it, and it just kind of was like, okay, we know where she's at from here. Um, you, you know, and it's kind of like, where's I? Kind of was like wondering, like, okay. She's she. This is just her kind of killing time till she gets to Avengers Infinity War. And she she keeps being like, oh, I'm going to find my other family. We're going to see all these characters that we love that we don't get to see here. We don't get to see, you know, Hawkeye other than that picture in the post credit scene. We don't get to see Captain America. We don't, you know, get to see Thor or any of these characters that we, you know, love. And I understand like this is a solo film for uh, Black Widow. And, you know, it is her time to shine. And, um, you know, this is you know, one of the f- first female-led Marvel movies um, and the first one for a character that is this well-established. So I understand why they did that, but um, it, it did feel just kind of like, okay, here's just another story, you know, and which it was, you know, but there, so there's no real way around that, but you also have to deal with it. Oh, yeah. Like you can't, like you said, you can't keep saying, mentioning the character and then never bringing them in. <laughs> that's kind of what annoyed me i was like you keep talking about them and then through the movie there's very i wanted to see more of like the repercussions of civil war in that movie because in the beginning you see like yeah general ross is chasing but then they're just going around the world being seen all over the place and there's no real like repercussions to that factor and then at the end she's just like well i'm just gonna go back now and i'm like no you're still a wanted fugitive what do you mean (laughs) yeah like she just is like okay and it cuts to two weeks later and i'm like okay what happened like he was about to get arrested how is she just here two weeks later i was kind of like what is going on now i don't know exactly it very much felt like uh like there were two movies that were being written and they were told like, Hey, you got to make this one movie. Cause <laughs> there's like, there's like a level of, of like Captain America, the winter soldier happening on one aspect. And then there's kind of this new movie, which is very, it's still very good. I enjoyed the mm-hmm. the like new bits that they wrote in there that you could tell. I think that was much more of like the less Kevin Feige influenced bit was like <laughs> all the parts that didn't really tie into the MCU and was kind of just her and her sister and all this type of stuff. Because it felt very new. It felt it felt almost fresh to the MCU because we haven't seen something yeah. that was very encapsulated in and of itself before, really. You know? No, and that's those were my favorite parts, honestly. Like those kind of like you mentioned, new parts that felt like they were doing something new in the MCU. 
Yes. And I, oh, I love the little tie-ins with Red Guardian so much. I was like, okay, yeah, I want to see that. I, I would have loved to see that that fight between Captain America and Red Guardian in the 80s. Yeah. I'm like, that's one of the things it's like, I was curious, like, did like it's like okay was he making that up because it seems like he's making that up because you know he talks about like it was in 83 and like he's like that was when he was in the ice but it's like maybe there was another captain america maybe he got the year wrong maybe there's some time travel going on you know like so it's like kind of like and because he does he's like does captain america ever talk about me like my great rival you know so you know you're curious about like okay what was going on with that you know it's not something i think they'll ever address directly but it was a nice little tidbit they put in there yeah because we know that steve goes back so i mean mm-hmm. you know like so steve might have been messing around in the 80s yeah there might have been another time traveling steve from another timeline that came in and fought him in the 80s you know so it's just the whole the multiverse is, is madness you know exactly yes dr strange too multiverse so mad. i've been <laughs> saying for years that i want the mcu to to go wacky right because mm-hmm. that's and and i've said this about dc as well where the best thing about comic books is how insane they get there's no level of of like real logic to it yeah. it's a it's a guy who can fly or it's you know it's black widow who can just do whatever you know <laughs> like yeah yeah exactly just be wacky just do whatever you want to do like i like the little like hanging of the lantern that her sister did where she was like well if somebody kills you then one of the big avengers will come and avenge you and she was like one of the big ones she was like yeah the god from space like what do you yeah, <laughs> yeah that was great i always love when thor gets a shout out too because i'm like yeah he is really fucking strong and badass and yeah so i i, I definitely appreciated that um that thought part of it oh yeah so um now comes the bit where i ask you uh if you were to change anything about the movie anything at all if you were to say i don't know rewrite bits that you did not like how would you rewrite them not to put you on the spot (laughs) i mean i think that the the one aspect that was kind of weak was just like the whole like they're controlling them with like pheromones and stuff and like she breaks her nose or whatever to like she's so she can't smell ray winstone and then she's like now i could beat you like that all felt a little clunky and maybe if they had made that a little bit more like the winter soldier where they had been kind of brainwashed and stuff and it was more of an ordeal um, i guess that does take the MacGuffin out of it a little bit but you know i think there's some ways around that you can make it less of a just kind of like MacGuffin trek and more of just kind of like you could you know wait kind of like wait maybe you can like use some keywords like the Wakandans did to kind of wake these people up or something um so that would probably be that was my probably it was felt a little too easy um in that aspect so maybe kind of change that up a little bit maybe and I would put in maybe a cameo by Clint, at least like at least when they're in Budapest or something like just give just write that scene and just have him be there in the background because just have him because he's such a big part of her story and her past. And especially at that moment, maybe even have Nick Fury show up, you know, have him be like, all right, you're tell him to be like, OK, you've got to blow up the daughter or whatever. And she's like, all right, well, I guess I got to do this. Um, yeah. Uh, may, yeah. Something like that, I think, would be a good addition. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I I'm always a big i'm not a big fan of brainwashing storylines or mm-hmm. like the the very like it always seems very lazy to me when like when 
when a, mo- a movie or a TV show does that, where they're like, oh, well, they're not really bad. They were brainwashed. Like, I find it a right. lot more intriguing when it's like, no, these are they're people who made a choice, whether that choice is ill informed or not. That's where like that nuance kind of comes in where it's like, well, they thought that they were doing something good. And in reality, they they realized because of what Natasha is doing, the way that she saved the world, they realized that they're doing something bad and now they want out, but they're too deep in. So he won't let them go. Right. Like that would have that would have been so much more interesting to me if it was mm-hmm. like her instead of her sister being woken up with like a gas, if she was just like she's having this internal conflict of the fact that like they're all people from the same situation that Natasha was in. But now they're seeing Natasha saving the world with the Avengers. <laughs> so yeah. all of them all of a sudden are like, well, I could I could get out like she got out. I could get out. But they're having this internal conflict because they're all too deep in. They're like, well, we've done all this stuff. He's tightening the reins since Natasha got out. He's like watching us closer. Maybe they're trapped in like cages or something or, or you know, something like that to kind of reinforce that that kind of human trafficking element of the story to be like, hey, this dude is a bad man. Uh, with So you don't lose that bit, like maybe mm-hmm. keeps them imprisoned or something like that. But they're all trying to figure out a way out. And then because I, I also love prison break movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would love just like a scene where, where one of them is like, hey, we could get out of here. Like we could do this and they're being inspired by Natasha without Natasha even really noticing it because she she hasn't been there because that was something that they they kind of touched on, but they didn't really go in depth with the fact that she kind of just left them all to the wind and like never mm-hmm. came to check on any of them. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, And I thought the Rachel Weiss character um, what started out pretty emotionally complex, but kind of just lost a little bit of that by the end of it um and maybe you know you write some more you know of her stuff might be her decision to kind of betray um uh way winstone's character i'm forgetting this character's name but betray him would have been a little more difficult for her because it seems like she's evil then it's just like just kidding i was actually on your side the whole time and there doesn't really seem to be a reason for that switch getting flipped um because she does seem pretty complex and then just kind of becomes a little more simple by the end of the film um, but also I don't, I don't think it, that's a tough line to walk because you gotta, that would require you to add a lot more runtime. And, you know, I think this movie does feel pretty like it's a good moves at a really good pace. You don't want to mess up the pacing. Like I watched not really recently, but a while back, I watched the great escape. And while that's a good movie, it just goes on and on. That movie's three and a half hours long. And I'm like, I do not need to see three and a half hours of just like people like just escaping and just planning and just like you know steve mcqueen riding his motorcycle for 20 minutes just 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 like put it at a good pace and this movie was completely perfectly timed so that's that's if you that's a balancing act that it's hard to pull off and i think they did a good job in that timing aspect yeah you're right like like you said it, it definitely it did move at a very fast pace like i didn't even feel it felt like it was just done by the time like by the time i was like okay so we got like what another hour it was like 15 minutes left i was like oh yeah. <laughs> like it moved at a very fast clip and i really i do enjoy that because now you, like almost every movie is like three hours long at this point Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're almost at the point where like you need an intermission in the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, it doesn't need to be Zack Snyder's four-hour Justice League cut. We don't, we don't really need that. 
exactly so yeah you're right like it did it definitely felt um like you said when when it got to that point where like she does the flip it it felt very just out of nowhere because it's like one second she's like i've called them and then the next second they're like they're captured and the next second she's on their side it it felt very that that entire part just felt very condensed when it could have maybe like five minutes of just like a plan being laid out like i enjoyed the flashback Mm -hmm. sequence I love those because I'm a big fan of leverage, but like, <laughs> like I would have loved just like a conversation where it's like maybe she's sown a little bit less evil because that whole scene with the pig beforehand, it did not lend well to her not like really betraying them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They did a good job setting her up for being this complex character, but without any real payoff, I felt like. Yes, and I would have loved if she was just like she did betray them because she was like no I've, I've just i've done this for so long that like my loyalties run deeper to them mm-hmm. than it does to you and then natasha kind of has to convince her later or something like that that would have been fun <laughs> yeah like like if she'd been more like a i don't know like i was i've ta- mentioned the american have you ever watched the americans uh yes yes i watched okay it, yeah if she had been kind of more of like an elizabeth jennings like carrie russell type character um and i know it's it's different because that is a TV show where you have, you know, five or six seasons to build this really complex arc. But if she, you know, kind of had to where she starts off being like all about country, but then she's like, OK, but maybe family, you know, and maybe she has that whole moral dilemma in the last season where she's like not sure if what she's doing for the country is right or if it's even for the country or who's like what parts of the country. And, you know, to, I would have liked to see Rachel Weiss have a similar kind of conundrum would have been really awesome um, because there are those cool elements that are inspired by those kind of like spy thriller espionage um american double live type movies um and i really really did like that this movie's opening scene it goes for a while but it never feels like it drags i'm always like very invested in all of it oh yeah but that that i mean that opens up a very interesting question of do you think that this would have done well or done better or just as good if it had like five if it was like a disney plus original show and had that kind of time to kind of flesh all these ideas out that's an interesting question because yeah i I do think like with falcon the winter soldier there's some parts of it that definitely could have been tightened up um this like i said has a really solid pacing but maybe if you do it kind of like a like a damon lindelof show where you have each episode kind of focuses a little bit more on like he did with Watchmen like where each episode kind of like is about a different character in this superhero universe. Like you have like an episode, like it starts out with like this episode focused on Black Widow. And then you have a second episode where it's more focused on Florence Pugh. And then you have a David Harbour and then, you know, uh, Rachel Wise. And then it kind of just ends in the finale. Like that would be, that would be a good way to do it. I think if it was split up like this, I'm not yeah. sure if I would prefer that to a movie, but that would be the way I'd like to be done. If it was split up instead of just one kind of long narrative, like i think that was kind of what hurt not what hurt because it was still really good but like one thing i didn't appreciate as much was that it did just feel like a long movie with falcon the winter soldier whereas wandavision it's like these are different chunks like here's this episode is like a a sitcom in the 50s and this episode is like a sitcom in the 90s so those did feel like while still being part of a larger arc you know it's still serialized storytelling it does have distinct parts and beats I think that's a it's a good midpoint to find where it's like you can draw like a distinction where it's not like the end of this episode is totally arbitrary. 
Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Like I think I think Disney's finding that uh or Marvel is is finding that point where they're like learning the shows a little bit better cuz like they came they came out very strong with WandaVision. It, mm-hmm. But like sitcoms do lend themselves very well like such serialized storytelling because every episode is kind of encapsulated with an overarching you know, sort of deal like Friends is or, or, you know, or Seinfeld or any of these kind of or Always Sunny, any of these kind of shows where it's like every episode is its own thing, but there's usually some season long story being told in the background. Right. Mm-hmm. So WandaVision kind of had it kind of built in. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like I said, it kind of it did feel like it was just one long show and i think netflix kind of had the same problem with most of their shows honestly (laughs) yeah like the netflix marvel shows i do love them but they do kind of just feel like one long thing yeah Um, yeah. the 13 was too much and then like 10 was still a little bit too much because they had those couple like filler episodes that were just there for no reason, and then the eight was the good amount. So I'm 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 yeah. interested to see like where Marvel finds like that good amount of episodes. If it'll be the five or six. Yeah, I think like I think that you know kind of between the like five and eight was a good um it was a good number. I was one of the few people who actually really liked the Defenders, and I liked the eight episodes they did for that. That felt right and appropriate. You know, when Iron Fist went down from 13 seasons to 10 seasons in its second season, there's a lot of reasons why Iron Fist season two is better than season one with, you know, changing showrunners <laughs> and stuff. But I think that it just being uh, a little bit quicker and not having to have as much filler in those 13 episodes definitely helped. Oh, yeah. And, the, the you know, the stunt choreography kind of, you know, actually being practiced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, giving them Finn Jones enough time to learn how to you know, use be a martial artist definitely was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I won't lie. I was one of those few people who did genuinely enjoy Iron Fist. And I think it was uh, much more to do with like I watched it with my family and we all like were eating dinner and just kind of watching it. And I, I liked Iron Fist, like even even parts of season one, I think are pretty redeemable. I think that show gets a bad rap. And I understand why, but I it it starts out really bad, but as it goes on, it gets better and better. I feel like I really enjoy the ending of season one and pretty much all of season two. I love the I love the rise and fall of Grant Ward. Um, Grant Ward is such a just great character. Danny, what are you doing? Like, I, I love that show. He was right through most of that show. Like, yeah. he wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. And then Faramir as his dad is just like such a good evil. Danny, you're like a son to me. Come, come to me now. He's just so evil. It's it's I don't know. I really I really dug Iron Fist, even though it's pretty bad at the beginning. I I do like it, especially like probably the episode that RZA directed from that one on. It got a lot better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it's it's one of those things I I wasn't expecting. Like I knew they were going to probably do Defenders. I was expecting more of like Heroes for Hire with like the way that they were setting a lot of stuff up because they were like, Oh yeah, here's Luke Cage, here's Iron Fist, here's Misty Knight. And like, here's all these characters that are generally kind of this heroes for hire situation. And then they were like, Mm -hmm. we're going to do defenders. And I was like, you're missing a few people. If you're going to do defenders. (laughs) I really wanted to see. (laughs) Yeah. It is a very weird team. I really wanted to see a spinoff of the daughters of the dragon. So like Misty Knight and uh, Colleen wing, because Colleen wing was, 
such a great character. Like she was, I was like, oh my god, I just I don't care about Danny Rand and his whiny little bullshit. Like, give me more Colleen Wing, please. And especially when she becomes the Iron Fist and she gets like the sword at the end, I was like, yes, this more of this. And Misty Knight, she gets a robot arm. I'm just like, like, and because they you know been together in the comics before, so I'm just like, you know, as a fight as a team or a, co a duo, whatever. Um, so just like give me that please and like if i was gonna i'm so sad that you know for a lot of reasons that the netflix marvel shows are done but like i would have loved to if they were still around possibly have gotten that spinoff oh yeah definitely like i lament so often the fact that like marvel movies and marvel television had split because i i okay i'm gonna say something that people are gonna make fun of me for i enjoy <laughs> agents of shield okay <laughs> It's it's real hit or miss for me, like parts of it. I'm just like, I can barely watch. Like, I remember like in I think it was season five. I was like, I'm only watching this out of obligation because I've watched it so much. <laughs> I need to continue the story. But there's some parts of it like season three, that whole arc with Hive. Incredible. Like, it's so good, you know? Yes, like I finally finished it last weekend with okay. like, finishing season seven and, and watching the whole show. And like seeing from where it came from season one, kind of being this goofy experiment, really, because they were just like seeing what what happens, like having this stuff tied into the movies and be like, oh, can we do this? And then watching mm -hmm. it go from that to an absolute insane space adventure has yeah. been a ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I, I really like when they got like weird with it, when they got the more experimental episodes, like the one where um, it's I can't remember the exact name, but it's like something amount of hours. And it's just Gemma Simmons on the planet, like, and it's just like a totally different show. Like, I love that. Or when, you know, they do that, they kind of do some more stuff like that in the final season where they have like a, the film noir episode or like the episode where it's in the time loop. Like, I love that stuff. Yes, I love that. I loved like by the end of it, they were very much like, hey, here's this weird family of people living on this ship and the, like the ship gets stolen every couple episodes and they got to yeah. get it back. Like, <laughs> And Coulson dies like once a season. Oh my gosh, yes. I there's a running gag in my house now because everybody's like just the amount of times that everyone comes back to life and the amount mm -hmm. of just side characters that they will let die. <laughs> yeah, no, they they were like it's just like well, if you've made it for through like the first three seasons, then you're immortal. Like you cannot be killed. And they were just like, Yeah, but if you died before that, like we'll just keep killing you off, you know, like like Ward and stuff, all these great characters. And like one thing I will say, like they don't have the best track record for like keeping minorities alive. I felt like on that show, I was a little like, right. okay. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, hey, here's this cool new guy. Awesome. He's dead now. Okay, cool. But at yeah. least like Max stuck around. So yeah, Max stuck around. That was really cool. Like we we were literally and Daisy stuck around. We yeah. made so many jokes of every single time that like a POC character came into the show. We're like, how many episodes before they die? <laughs> right? Like, oh no, trip. Uh, trip. <laughs> oh poor trip. <laughs> uh -huh. We we just kept making we were like, okay, how many? Five, five, six? Okay. <laughs> It was so it made it, it was a great joke and a great game to play while watching that show. And like it got introduced to so many cool things. And like I'm I'm very excited because like I was very sad when uh when Inhumans happened. Because that <laughs> that six episodes of a nightmare. Um <laughs> Yeah, as you should be. 
I, I was so excited for the movie in humans where like I, I still have on my phone the original like remember they originally used to release like the posters for like phase one and phase two and like mm -hmm. 10 years down the line. I still have on my phone when they originally released like the the like <laughs> initial like phase two stuff with like World War Hulk and, and Inhumans and all this type of stuff. And I was so excited for that lineup. And then it just mm -hmm. never happened. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I mean. It's I think I think because I think that the only one that actually they announced that they didn't do was Inhumans and because they were like, OK, and, you know, you can blame a lot of that on Ike Perlmutter, who like is yeah. just this big, terrible Disney CEO who just did a lot of really shady stuff, both in Disney and just like in the real world. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Inhumans was. I, I did you actually watch it? Because I I watched the whole thing for some reason, just because I'm like a completist, and I was like, you know, what? I gotta, I'll, I'll watch this in the back. And it was mostly just like in the background while I was doing something else, and I was like, this is so bad. And they've, and now like they've ruined both these characters, and they've also ruined a bunch of like actors who I would like to see in the MCU, like half the cast of Lost because they were just staying, hanging out in Hawaii, whereas in that show, and now none of them are ever gonna be in the MCU again. I guess maybe maybe they'll recast them like they did with um. Oh my gosh, why am I forgetting his name? He played Cottonmouth and now he's going to play Blade, Marshall Ali. Oh, so, I mean, it's not out of the question. They could recast him, but it was just such wasted potential, that show. Yeah, I, I did end up watching all of it. I watched, because I remember I had to watch it again, because I, <laughs> I watched the first episode initially when it first came out, and I went, I can never watch another episode of this. This is horrible. And then... <laughs> <laughs> And then years, like two years later, like last year, maybe over Christmas, I was hanging out and my mom had never seen Agent Carter. And I was like, well, I have to fix this because that's a great show. And then we it finished. Really yeah, we finished all of Agent Carter. And she was like, oh, is there anything, anything else? And then she was like, what's this show called Inhumans? And I went, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Like I looked her in the eyes and was like, don't do this to both of us, please. And she was like, no, we should watch it. I was like, please, mom, you, you've worked in television for 30 years. Don't ah. do this. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and she decided to do it. She was like, no, we should watch it. And I was like, OK, here we go. And we ended up watching all six episodes. And she was like, that is the worst thing I've ever seen. She was like, that had to have been made because he owed someone a favor. <laughs> Imagine if like and that's the that's like the one saving grace about that show is it's very short. Like imagine if that had been like a full like if it, that show had come out in like 2004 or something and it was like a full oh. 26 episode show or something. Oh my gosh, a full 26 of that with the bad wigs and the oh my gosh. <laughs> and they had even less money to spend on every episode because it was all it was more spaced out and stuff. Just imagine, imagine that. Oh my god! It would be like a like this show. Like Legends of Tomorrow is good with how bad it is, you know. Like mm -hmm. it's yeah, like it's got, it clearly has like no budget, or at least they spend all the budget on like three episodes of that series, <laughs> and, and then the rest of like the series, the rest of the season, they just kind of parse out whatever's left in the piggy bank. But it's mm -hmm. good for that reason because it's not meant to be serious; it's meant to be dumb. But like in humans where they're trying to do this like game of thrones-esque like, <laughs> show yeah it would be so bad 
And like every character in it is so dumb. Like no one makes any decisions that make any sense logically at all. Everyone is just reacting to things and being stupid. Like it's like nothing makes any internal. I don't know. I could just go off for like an hour about how much I hate Inhumans. <laughs> it's so it's so much like I, I love the Inhumans in the comic books. I'm like Marvel did something great for me in that aspect because like before the MCU happened, I was one of those like weird nerds who loved the C lister characters in mm-hmm. Marvel. Like now I know I know the character is called Wolverine now, but back in the day, like X23, my literal gamer tag for years was Mutant X23. Because because <laughs> I loved Laura Kinney so much. No, and, she like, she's like my favorite one of my favorite mutants for sure. Like I don't like Wolverine at all, but I love X23 yes like like and, and it's cool that she's like wolverine now like she's grown into mm-hmm. her own like she's made you know her and and logan have made amends and they've kind of like they've grown a closer relationship and that's really cool and like i love wolverine's kids so much like she's cool and dakin is cool so cool like <laughs> they never get any any like real play in the movies and then marvel was like in 2008 they were like let's do iron man and I didn't realize that Iron Man wasn't an A-list or superhero because I was like, I just had Iron Man stuff. I had an Iron Man poster on my wall and all this type of stuff. And then Marvel was like, we're doing an Iron Man movie. And I was like, oh, cool. And then people were like, who's Iron Man? And I was like, what? <laughs> he wasn't. He's not an A-lister. I can't believe this. <laughs> I knew him from the original MCU, which was the Saturday morning cart- Marvel cartoons from the 90s yeah. that would cross over all the time. And there was a, like, I guess there was an Iron Man show that ran for one season, but he would still show up in like episodes of the X-Men or Spider-Man. So he was part of I was like, OK, yeah, I know this guy, um, you know, and I whereas I didn't know, you know, some of the other characters as much like I didn't. But, you know, anybody who showed up in those shows was like, OK, yeah, these guys are all in the same kind of like family or whatever. They're all they all kind of hang out together and it makes sense. Now they're doing these movies because these are the shows that I grew up with. They did the same thing. Exactly. Like, uh, yeah, I know the uh iron man armored adventures i think was the original one from the 90s yeah 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 with him and then war machine was in it and they had one of the coolest opening sequences with him like with the it in the blacksmith shop with like the hammer oh that was so cool mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing though is ever gonna beat the like that ripping guitar in fucking x-men's theme just like like i did so i can remember every note in my head still to this day you know some 20 odd years later because it's so good yeah it's so good oh my gosh that um like spider-man and his amazing friends was one of my favorite shows for Mm. some reason i don't know why (laughs) that show isn't that great but it's is that like the 60s one that you're talking about god it's like it's the one i think it came out right after like spider-man animated series from the 60s and 70s okay like right after that it was with spider-man Iceman, and uh and firebird oh yeah yeah yeah. i know which one you're talking about okay yeah yeah Yeah, and they're roommates for some reason i was so confused (laughs) (laughs) it's so good and so bad Like, I loved that. And then they, of course, like Spider-Man Unlimited was amazing. I wanted another season of that so badly. Oh, I never I never saw that. But the show, you no know, Spider-Man show, I was like, I'm still to this day upset that it, there's not another season is the spectacular Spider-Man. Did you ever watch that? I did. I love that show so much. God. It's so good. so good. It really is just. Oh, my God. Like, it really captures just like how Peter Parker is and. 
you know, they recontextualize a lot of the characters and the relationships, but they really hit the nail on the head of just like being Peter Parker and just like it sucking to be him and the way all these different villains interact with them and just it, it really recontextualized things in a really just coherent and just streamlined way and just you felt like all the characters felt natural and their relationships were all real and just how they would do things like you know the black cat ended up being you know the daughter of the burglar that killed his dad or that killed uncle ben and all like it just like all the things that brings about in him and how that kills a romance between them and just oh so good and then it ends and then you know because disney canceled it because they want to do their own spider-man show with you know a guy who's now a sex pervert or whatever but i don't know <laughs> it's it's so there's so many things and plus that show did venom so well it really off- did oh my god yeah. yes <laughs> Especially coming off Spider-Man three, that show did Venom better than we had seen. Then I think then we've still seen him up until like the Tom Hardy Venom movie, which I'll I'll say is good. It was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I saw this thing. I think it was Patrick Williams who said that Venom was this the third best superhero movie of two thousand four. I'm like, yeah, that feels about right. <laughs> it does oddly enough. Like it 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 is very two thousand and four. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a weird, like the second act is like non-existent. Like it's just so much stuff of him, like before being Venom, and then like the final battle. But then, then there's like him actually like going out and doing like the what should be the crux of the movie is so short, where it's just like, and how about we have him just be weird Jim Carrey '90s like zany in the lobster tank and just like him wants to eat trash, and it was so weird that like I'm like this isn't what I signed up for. But I'm kind of enjoying it, not because I think it's good, but because it's like, what am I watching? You know, I can't turn away. I'll give it that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I'm I'm one of those people who I own Spider-Man 3 in three different formats. So I've, I've watched that movie too many times. So I mean, I don't hate Spider-Man 3. It's got its problems, but I like it. It's it's, it's funny. It's it's a pretty funny movie. Like. <laughs> Yeah, you see, like, the, the kind of natural humor of Sam Raimi come out. I think that it does a really good job of that. Exactly. So Venom made me laugh most of the time. And it, it could have helped that I watched Venom on my birthday in theaters and I was drinking. <laughs> but, but I was, like, I was laughing at, at, like, number one, at the point that Eddie Eddie Brock was just dirty through that whole movie. <laughs> like, the man needed a shower so bad. <laughs> just wearing, like, a gross, sweat-drenched T-shirt that the whole time. Yes, and he looked like somebody who was just having a mental breakdown, which you would be if, like, you suddenly had an alien symbiote attached to you. Yeah. <laughs> Like and that that made me laugh so much. Like it got to the end and the Woody Harrelson bit. Like maybe I, I squealed a little bit when I was like, "Oh, carnage!" Oh, <laughs> like they got me. They got me in the nerdness for a minute, and I like, yeah, I was enjoying it. Like but, I, I think that's really good casting too. Woody Harrelson as Carnage. Like I think that's yes. pretty spot on. Oh yeah, it's so it's so weird. If there was even if it was a waste of a Rizamed. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Rizzo, man. Like, really not getting a lot going on here. Yeah, yeah. Although, Sound of Metal, if you haven't seen Sound of Metal yet, check that out, like, yesterday, because that movie is so fucking good, and Rizzo Med just gives a performance of a lifetime in that movie. Just incredible. Oh, I gotta, I gotta check that out, yeah, because I, I was, I wanted, I wanted more for Rizzo Med 
for so long because he he was in a Star War. I forget yeah. which one was. Uh, Rogue one, one. Rogue One. Yeah. Which I which wasn't that bad. Of the all the Disney fight Star Wars, Rogue One wasn't my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like Rogue One, especially the back half of Rogue One was like really solid. Yeah, you know, the Vader scene was solid. The fact that like like they didn't live at the end, which we all mm-hmm. know is like that's the story. That's how it is, you know. <laughs> like well, you know, I was like, I was kind of expecting them to be like, okay, like they're they're gonna show up now, like you know, like in this other thing, they're, they'll show up in Rogue Two where they gotta steal the plans for the other Death Star, but it's like, nope, they just get blowed up at the end. The whole they all just explode and die, and Krennic dies, and it's just like, all right, cool, like I'm tight, like I really loved that part. Exactly, like the beginning was weird for me, but like you said, the the last half of that movie was solid. Like mm-hmm. for me, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm enjoying this. I see where this is going. Like, <laughs> like it wasn't a, you know, like it it was better than than a, I don't know, episode nine or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no clones. Uh, but but yeah, like I got it. I got to check out that movie. Um, because Riz Ahmed, great actor. Like you, you but. Of of the of the Marvel shows of the various kinds, uh, there is one that I always ask people about because I, I want to see whether or not they've seen this and if they have, whether or not they remember it and enjoyed it. Um, Two thousand and three brought a lot of things right before Spectacular Spider Man. There was a Spider Man on MTV. <laughs> I know it. which one you're talking about with the really <laughs> bad computer graphics. Yeah. I I never actually saw it. I, I can't remember what movie, but I had some movie on DVD and there was a preview for the show on that DVD. So I'd see that all the time. And I actually own the DVD for like season one for that show, but I've never watched it because I never was motivated to. And the reason I own it is because my neighbors at the time bought the DVD for their kid and they realized, oh, like this is probably a little too mature. But me being like the 13 year old myself, they were like, well, Derek will like this. So they gave they like, here, Spider-Man. I was like, cool, Spider-Man. And then I just like, it's like, I'm going to watch this. And then just never did. It's so it like it is so bad that it kind of becomes funny and good. <laughs> <laughs> like they I don't know who was in charge of that. I don't know who came up with that. But oh, my gosh, they either need a raise or to be fired immediately. <laughs> It just seems so like like, oh, my God, it's the new millennium and we're edgy and we're doing this and look at how cool and sleek and new all of this is. And you've never seen Peter Parker or Harry or Mary Jane like this before. Like it just I was like reeked of that, you know. Yeah, but it's like I've I've seen edgy Spider-Man like that's all Spider-Man Unlimited was. It's just yeah. Spider-Man goes to the future and he's the ultimate of the 90s. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. I like because I when I re-binged the 90s Spider-Man to see if it held up, Um, it was just years back, maybe like five years ago. And I was like, yeah, this still holds up as an adult. Like I was about like 25 and I was like, this still holds up. And I was like, all right. Now that that's done, I need some more Spider-Man. They did this series afterwards, and I watched the first episode of Spider-Man Unlimited. I'm like, what in the what is this? Like, I was like, I could not believe it was like Spider-Man goes to space and there's half tiger people. And I'm just like, what is happening? Right. I didn't even understand, like, how you got there. It was just like it was so weird and bizarre. It really is. It's so but it's so good. It's like 13 episodes. (laughs) 
Yeah, that makes sense. Because I, yeah, I think it just got canceled immediately. And I guess they made it to like because it was cheaper to produce for some reason than the other Spider-Man show. Uh. Yep, like the Green Goblin has like a whole. He has like child troubles because like his ex-wife is leaving him. It's a whole thing, and it's so <laughs> it's so good. I I love that show so much. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> like that like marvel was really they were going for it in like that late 90s early 2000s with like that and then x-men unlimited happened which went for four seasons four or five seasons and oh was- man yeah I, I actually loved that show which is that's the show that gave us x23 that's where she came from yep it's so good i love I that really so do much. love that show i and i'm gonna say something that might be considered sacrilege so Ooh. forgive me um everybody uh but i like the x-men unlimited show better than the 90s x-men show i think that the way they handled characters in spectacular spider-man they handled the characters a lot the same way in this i like all the kind of it felt a lot less heavy-handed where in the 90s show it's like oh there are people out there they're gonna destroy us with sentinels where it was a lot more just kind of like you know levels of just kind of like subtlety magneto was a lot more interesting i like the stuff with the morlocks where they're like there's these people living underground and you have just it's it felt a lot more interesting and just kind of and also it looked way more crisp and interesting it looked the animation on it was league had just moved on so much from like the early 90s and that really makes a difference um same thing i would think with the voice acting was a lot less corny you know, I think that Apocalypse as being this kind of big overarching, he was like almost like a Thanos ahead of the time where it was just like kind of this big ultimate evil that they everybody had the Magneto and everybody had to kind of team up with the fight in the end. And I know he, Apocalypse was on the original X-Men show, but he was kind of just more like like he didn't really have a lot of character depth. He was just kind of like just this random big bad guy that was he's voiced by um, the same guy who does Baron Underbite on uh, the Venture Brothers, who is just kind of like very cheesy to watch, just like, oh, yes, the X-Men, you know, whereas in like, you know, the new ones, I think it's that's definitely the best portrayal of Apocalypse. And what I know him best from is and as much as, you know, Oscar Isaac is a great actor, he's very underutilized as um, Apocalypse in that just really boring X-Men movie, Age of Apocalypse. So <laughs> I think that the story that they just do such a good job with the Age of Apocalypse storyline, and I would rewatch that any day over the X-Men movies, the, the, um, you know, the ones that cover apocalypse, even probably a lot of the other X-Men movies on it. It's one of my favorite just adaptations of X-Men in general. Oh yeah. I I 100% agree with you on that. It's, it's so good. Like it, it really, like I wasn't a huge Nightcrawler fan before X-Men evolution. Like he was cool. Like he was interesting, but I was much more of like a, a Kitty pride fan or like a, or Wolverine guy. Like when I was younger, and then X-Men Evolution happened, and I was like, Nightcrawler's cool. Like, mm. Nightcrawler's cool, and Scarlet Witch is cool. And I was like, okay, I would like to see more of them, like, in, in like, uh, in, you know, in media. And then I started kind of reading more of, like, Nightcrawler comic, like, central X-Men runs, and then delved deeper into, like, the, the Scarlet Witch stuff, which led me to my favorite uh, comic book relationship, which, uh, which would be, I mean, besides jason todd and artemis uh in dc but scarlet witch and vision in like mm-hmm. in comics is my favorite that's my favorite relationship honestly because it's it's so it's so weird on one level because it's like he is a robot uh mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but on another level, it's kind of beautiful because he's like, like he's he's trying to be alive, like he can think. What it becomes that kind of like a what's that show that that had like the robots and they were thinking on HBO? <laughs> oh, Westworld. Yeah, what it comes like a Westworld situation where it's like, well, where does life begin and like mm-hmm. where like what's the concept of it? You know, and then that brought me my fa- my two favorite characters, which would be Wiccan and Speed, which I you never see anywhere. And I was yeah. so excited when they showed up in WandaVision. I was like, oh, my God, it's just the boys. <laughs> 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 like, I love that because I love the Young Avengers, like the, the mm-hmm. comic run. And it's like it, that that like they're so central to Marvel in a weird way. Like you, mm-hmm. you never think about it when you're like looking at it because everybody kind of looks at Spider-Man as kind of like the central character of Marvel in a weird way. They're like everything kind of centers around him and and his story to a degree because it's like everything's happening in New York and he's somehow always in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. I think that those movies did this or that show did the same thing for me with Kitty Pride because she wasn't on the original the 90s show, if I'm not mistaken. And she had like a couple cameos in the X-Men movies. But up until, you know, the third one, she wasn't a major character, which came out like, you know, after this had been canceled. So I think that she had like a big resurgence. Also, me just being like like an 11 year old, I was like one of my first crushes ever was on Kitty Pride from the X-Men show. And then, you know, when Elliot Page played her pre um, Juno, you know, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like just, you know, me as like a 15 year old then was just like, OK, Kitty Pride, I am all on board. Like I just had such a crush. So and she's just one of my favorite characters. And she starts dating Spider-Man in the Ultimate Comics. But um, yeah, I don't know. if I, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You're going on tangent about Spider-Man. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm glad that we both had the same thought process when it came to Kitty Bride, um, because that was pretty much my exact life uh, story with that. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned the Ultimate Comics. That's that's such a good run that I do actually genuinely enjoy uh, with like the Spider-Man Kitty Pride thing and him being best friends with Johnny Storm. Like it's it's so weird, but it's so good. And right. Like, it's just like, like this is like this life. <laughs> makes sense somehow like you know it clicks you know yeah you know just them being high schoolers just doing high school mm-hmm. stuff <laughs> yeah and that's kind of what i like about you know the ultimate and like the ultimate stuff and you know the uh you know the x-men show and you know the spectacular spider-man it's just like yeah these are like superheroes just doing high school stuff they feel like real people and that's what i love about marvel so much is that the characters feel so real they're not like you know, in DC, well, you know, DC is great for other reasons. They're just like, okay, these are these elevated characters that are just kind of above everybody else. Where, like, you can really relate to Peter Parker, and you can really relate to Shadowcat, you can really relate to the Human Torch and all these troubles that they're going through. Oh yeah, and like, I I could mark my my uh, my teenage years almost by by when I I started liking uh, Scarlet Witch and X Men Evolution from <laughs> from uh, Kitty Pride, like. <laughs> There was a transition there, and I I remember it very distinctly because it was like you know you had the 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 classics uh, Shigo and you know that kind of mess people up, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Raven from Teen Titans, solid choice, uh, uh. Blackfire, and then you know and then eventually Scooby Doo really had the stitch in for me because uh, the Hex Girls from Scooby Doo ruined my whole life. <laughs> See, I wasn't a big Scooby Doo guy. I thought you were gonna go with Velma there. So Velma was the original for me. 
That okay. was my original because I, uh, I, I, I had grandparents who had Boomerang uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger. So, you know, you get all the, you know, you get all the like 60s Hanna-Barbera cartoons and stuff like that. Uh, right, right. To, to watch all the day. So, you know, when, when, you're, when your parents are like, hey, we're just trying to just sit in front of a TV. You know? <laughs> so I, I grew up watching Scooby-Doo, like the original one. And then, of course, like a pup named Scooby-Doo happened and like what's new Scooby? Like, all you know, all the spinoffs. Mm-hmm. And Velma was like the original like crush for me before Kim Possible happened and before all this type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because she just she seemed to me, I don't know why, but to me, Velma just seemed cuter than Daphne to me. Oh, I, I gotta agree with that. I gotta agree with that. Like Velma's definitely more of a more of my type. <laughs> yeah. Like Daphne just seemed, I don't know, she just seemed like she would like i wish wouldn't like her i was like i don't know i don't get it mm-hmm. like the sweater just did it for me and then, <laughs> <laughs> so then can possible happen and i was like okay yeah can possible is cool but she go amazing yeah and it was a downward yeah. slope from there <laughs> <laughs> oh and uh, up until you uh, one day you would watch the looney tunes show and fall in love with a duck exactly it was just all downhill for shigo you know like avatar the last airbender happened and they were like here's azula and i was like oh my gosh and it's like here's mom oh man oh my gosh i get that i get that azula just evil but oh man fiery exactly people make fun of me so much when I, I, say. I get it though i get it Everybody's i mean like, i was i was you? more i was more of a I'm a um, Suki yeah, fan, but... Okay, yep, yep, yep. Strong, strong, independent woman. Very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and super awesome and super cool, you know? Because I, I loved Sokka in that show uh, because he was so, you know, he was he was smart, but yet stupid at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Just a real idiot genius, you know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, uh, and I like... And, you, and of course, you know, you love Zuko because Donnie, uh, Donnie Bosco, I believe his last name is. Mm-hmm. Which is his last name? Uh, Rufio from Hook. Uh, yeah. Who he is to me forever. That's. <laughs> Did you hear that he and um, Janet Varney, who does the voice of Korra, just started a podcast? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's a podcast where it's like a, it's like officially from Nickelodeon podcast where it's the two of them kind of re- a retrospective about avatar and cora and i haven't had a chance to listen to it yet but it's in my i just like added it to my following in spotify so that's something i need to check out for sure yeah i need to i need to check that out as well because i i haven't oh my goodness i still haven't finished the last season of cora and i really have to do that dude you you gotta get on that one like i i love i'm okay and here's another sacrilegious thing i actually like cora better than i like avatar um minus the second season i know the second season is not the best but the first the third and then the fourth seasons are so good they're so you like the villains are so interesting and they the things they bring out within core and how one villain leads is like one extreme that causes the other extreme the other direction and the next season the next villain to rise it's it's so good but yeah you you gotta watch season four of Korra. it's not quite as good as the third season which is one of the best seasons in television just period in my opinion but season four does end on a strong note, I feel like. Okay, yeah, I like I know the ending of a lot of, of bits and pieces mm-hmm. of it. Like I know like the the ending of Korra and Asami's relationship. Like I knew about. Yeah, that, that got spoiled for me too, um, and I even watched it all basically in real time, and it still got spoiled for me. 
exactly but like Cora was like i fell off around the end of the second season but Cora was the only show that i've ever done this for i watched Cora on the nickelodeon website after it got like you know, like after it got pulled from television yeah they yanked it off tv it was i'm still upset about that they were just yeah they just killed it and i think a big part of it is because they was like really mature like way more mature than the first one which is why i liked it it also was like and i think they were just like well you know we're not going to be on TV anymore. We might as well just have some like, like, you know, LGBT uh, themes in the episode and just like end with, you know, Cora and Asami together and just because we're not on TV anyway. And it's 2013. And like in 2013 to have that on a kid's show, it was not like that, you know, the same thing in 2021. So that was a pretty bold move by them that I, you know, really, I do think was pretty cool and um, forward thinking. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I, that's the only show because I was so excited for it because like I've, I've heard this comparison made and I think it's a very good comparison. Like Avatar is like the last airbender was very much about like the people, right? Like it was very much about like people on the ground kind of because they every episode they kind of just went into some town somewhere around the various kingdoms and learned about the people and was like inspiring everything. And Korra is about like very much the big picture. Right. It's very much about like, this is the government. We're trying to change things on a macro level and, you know, and deal with politics and all these types of stuff. Cause it's very much like, it's a very mature idea, like you said. Cause, yeah. Like, The Last Airbender is very much like, not to say that, you know, not to say that like inspiring people is immature, of course, but like, you know, like it's a very mm-hmm. basic way that people could understand it. Uh, the, the fact that like, well, the world needs to be changed. And this is a very basic way for people to understand and for children to understand of like, well, let's meet the people that are being affected by what's happening with the Fire Nation. And then Korra's like, hey, you're all a little bit older now. You know, you, <laughs> it's been yeah. a few years. It's been almost a decade. You're you're up to the point where you can understand that, like, most of the changes that would need to be made are um, are being blocked by you know xyz party and, and this and that is happening and extremists are on both sides and there there are issues with letting one thing get too far out of control without having checks and balances like it was very it was a very intriguing thing and i think it it did what star wars could have done if it hadn't fallen <laughs> by like in the prequels <laughs> yeah yeah no like i see what george is going for those prequels but he did not he did not pull it off yeah like i think cora definitely like pulled off what george was going for in a much better way and it probably helped that it had like series like seasons of a show to really delve into that type of mm-hmm. stuff and, and talk about like heritage and all these types of things but yeah. like it, it it's definitely i really need to finish that last season because i really enjoyed the first two and the third one i started and it just didn't finish because I, I saw something else i wanted to watch oh yeah the third season honestly like i was saying is such a good season of television just and zahir the main villain of it is such a interesting philosophical villain where it's like yeah everything that he says and does you are like yeah you kind of have a point like it's I don't know. I, I really love everything about it, the way that it uses, you know, there's this really great video essay about like how that final scene like is some of the like the final episode of season three is some of the best writing on a TV show ever. And the way it uses like 15 layers of irony at the same time when Korra's final battle is here. I, I just can't get enough of it. It's a show that I have to go back to every couple of years. Oh, that's OK. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I definitely have to watch it because it's, it's very much like I, I think. 
what was it what was i saying my brain just blanked because it was something about <laughs> what you said about uh zaheer and the way that like the way that that character is uh and it, it like it, it sparks something in my brain and i've completely forgotten it <laughs> i hate when that happens um but yeah like it's 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 very much uh i don't know it's gone it's gone i don't know what you'll remember it as soon as we stop recording like as soon as like you hit you're like we're like okay night man bye and you hit stop and you know kick craig out of here you're gonna be like oh my god that's what it was Yup, it's 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 gonna pop into my head. I'm gonna be sleeping, and I'm just gonna my eyes are gonna shoot open. <laughs> I'm gonna go ah. <laughs> yep, yep, that's how it always goes. But yeah, like it's uh yeah. But speaking of getting out of here on on the way out, um, with just what speaking of the prequels, hmm. on the before we get out of here, before we before we go to recommendations, speaking of the prequels did you oh now i remember yes uh like you said about zaheer um being kind of like you were kind of he was kind of right right like it, it becomes very much like that media thing and that narrative thing where a lot of times the the people that we kind of cast as villains or perceive as villains especially recently i've noticed this um they're usually right and i'm like what and then and then it's it's yeah. very much interesting to see a writer kind of get to that point where they're trying to justify why that character is a villain because they realize yeah. themselves that they're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i i remember like when um like when it was like the capital riots and everything happening they, everyone was just like were we too harsh on zaheer was he really like he really, like he was an anarchist but maybe he was right about like fascist governments like you know like so like i totally get what you're saying Oh yeah, like it's it's very. But I've seen so many TikToks of people being like, "Are heroes really the superheroes here?" Because mm. like they're kind of wrong about a lot of like, who are you protecting? <laughs> and that's why you know, like shows like The Boys exist is because of those kind of ideals, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Because it's it's so intriguing to see writers kind of like. Because I look for it at this point. Whatever I see, like um because i think a video game did this recently like one of the activision games or something like that did this where really, like their their main the main villain of the game is like a, an activist group or something and i always wait to see like what's their story where, where where's the turn gonna be and how bad are they gonna how bad are they gonna make the turn because even falcon and the winter soldier did this where like mm -hmm. i was watching that show and i was like carly's right through like 90 yeah. percent of the show like mm -hmm. <laughs> And then they just have her like kill somebody innocent just so you don't like her anymore. It's handled a lot better, I feel like, with Korra. Like, you know, it, it it's not just like, okay, well, we need them to be the bad guy, so they're gonna do a bad thing. Exactly. And I was like, and then you're just waiting. You're like, okay, how far in are they gonna do it? And mm -hmm. how bad is it gonna be to where yeah. they're gonna be like, this is why they're a villain? And then everybody's like, Oh yeah, right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, even though she did that, it doesn't negate that she is still correct like yeah exactly right. <laughs> you gotta do better exactly you know like it's still, she's still right and she still had other people who were like hey we don't want to kill people so they're mm -hmm. right <laughs> yep yep yeah that was that was one of my complaints about like i like flash and the winter soldier overall um but that was one of my complaints about it yeah it, it, it very much uh there was a long conversation in my house about it because like you know like two two people in here are writers um and we mm -hmm. were like talking and back and forth and i was like yeah they they kind of went for the stretch there to kind of reestablish the idea especially like in the modern like times of like what you're talking about in the show like it was a bit of a weird stretch to kind of go that direction like <laughs> yeah 
So, you know, like it, it, there was a lot of discussion in the house about that. I was like, oh my gosh. But um, anything else before we get to recommendations, are, is there anything else that you would like to to say, Derek, about anything that I, we talked about? Yeah, I think that that's about it. I mean, I could talk about Cora for literally just like hours. Um, so I think, you know, I need to kind of curtail that and tie a bow on it. So I think that's that's all I got for now before we move on to recommendations. Okay, awesome. Next time after I finish watching Cora, we got it. We'll have to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> and that'll be the eight up eight hour long episode. <laughs> look, look forward to it. I'll take notes and I'll be like, Derek, these these I brought so many notes. <laughs> um so, I look yeah. forward to it. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Like so Derek, what uh it's come that time. Where you recommend people something to to watch or to read or to or or to listen to anything you want to recommend, recommend it to the people. What you got? <laughs> so my recommendation is going to be the movie No Sudden Move, which is uh, an HBO Max original movie uh, directed by one of my favorite directors, Steven Soderbergh, who people would know from movies like Aaron Brockovich, The Ocean's Trilogy, a bunch of other stuff. He's been in recent years doing a lot of kind of like smaller budget films with just a lot of with a really big iconic cast for a lot of times like streaming services um he's a lot of netflix films and he does a lot of movies but this one is just a it's um main characters are played by don Cheadle and benicio del toro and it's set in the 50s in detroit and it's kind of like a crime thriller where like it's these two small-time criminals and they just keep things are happening and they just keep going up and up and up and up the chain and you're not really ever sure what's going on. You're like, who's connected to this? Who's doing this? And more and more celebrities keep showing up. You're like, what is that? John Hamm? What? Like, it just like does that like five or six times in the movie. Um, but it's really smart writing. It's surprisingly relevant. Like the, the MacGuffin that they're after is not just a MacGuffin, but it is something that's very impactful in the real world. Um, it's uh, not completely bleak, but it is not really optimistic either. Um, it kind of you know does a good job at walking that line uh, but if anybody who has HBO Max it's HBO Max original uh, I don't believe it's in theaters so it's just um, straight to the service so check that out anybody some awesome um, yeah I'm definitely I'm gonna watch that I I keep watching things on HBO Max because it, it just got such good programming <laughs> it does it really it really if you're just gonna have one streaming service HBO Max is the one to have because they've got like all Ghibli stuff and like so much stuff from Criterion Collection, TCM, and it's got all the DC stuff and just Cartoon Networks. You've got like Adventure Time, the new Adventure Time thing. So there's just so much on that service. Oh yeah, and the new uh the, from the from the from JG Quintal, that one uh what is it where they're like raising their kid and it's like an adult version of regular show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and now and like not even to mention the there all the like theatrical movies by Warner Brothers just being dropped straight onto it. You know, same day with no unlike Disney Plus, no thirty dollar fee for to watch Wonder Woman or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that was oh my gosh, I would have been mad if I had to pay thirty dollars to watch Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Oh man! Imagine paying thirty dollars to watch the Mulan live-action movie because a lot of people did. Oh my gosh! <laughs> on top of a screen, on top of a subscription fee. Oh my goodness! Oh, that would have been painful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this week I would recommend watching uh, Dimension Twenty: Misfits and Magic. Uh, it's a it's a new um it's a new season from Dimension Twenty. It's got uh Aya, I forget I, I don't I don't know the Aya Cash. Name. 
um i don't know the young lady's name but she's she's doing the new dm role for brennan lee mulligan because uh, okay. he's playing this year she also is doing a short thing on with critical role um and i think do i have one in here i oh i have a, a thing pulled up Hold on. uh abria iyengar there we go that's oh, okay um she's I very way good. off <laughs> no she's she's a very good uh very good dungeon master for the for the show it's a very good it's like a dimension 20 is like a narrative based much more narratively based than like critical role or any D D stuff like it's it's much more like telling a story um and it's pretty much like a parody of of harry potter where they're just okay. like a bunch of american kids who get uh, who get sent to like a wizard school and they're just messing around and they're like <laughs> <laughs> it's very good it's very uh, it's very fun and dimension 20 has a lot of like really cool story stuff for their uh for for college humor um their streaming service okay cool yeah and it's on uh youtube as well for the, at least for the early seasons of stuff with like uh what is it what's the original the original like dimension 20 seasons are also on youtube somewhere for free um so watch those they're very they're very fun they're really <laughs> they're a quick watch um yeah so you know uh derek tell the people where they can find you around the internets <laughs> yeah thank you so um like i said i'm derek mcduff you guys can listen to my podcast uh underrated wherever you're listening to this one because we're on all the podcasting apps and on youtube um, you can follow me at Derek's Photos. That's D E R I C K S underscore photos um, on Instagram. Or you know, if you want to follow my podcast, um, it's the we call ourselves the Undercast Company. Me and my friends who make that podcast. So Undercast Company on Facebook or uh, Twitter or uh, anywhere that you Instagram uh, that you uh, want to follow us on social media. Um, but yeah, right. Uh, yes. And if you want to follow me, you can follow, find me on uh, Twitter at Morgan L. Brooks, where I, I will tweet about um, comic book stuff and rant about uh, Star Wars and how they mistreated Finn. Um, <laughs> they did. They really did. They really did. There's so many tweets about it. <laughs> I could do so many threads. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You can find me on Instagram at Morganelle underscore Brooks uh, or for, I don't know, photos of me for some reason. If you want to see my face um, <laughs> or or if you want to see photography stuff that I do uh, at Hidden Time L H I D D E N T I M E L. Um, and then you can find me on the TikTok, on the Twitch, on the YouTube, on the SoundCloud at Hidden Time Lord H I D D E N T I M E L O R D. Um, as always, thank you for listening to this. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for sharing it around. And uh, thank you for, for taking the time to let us into your ear holes. Um, <laughs> until next time, and without further ado, uh, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>